In the west, they had horns, a serpentine body, with four legs and two great wings, and they breathed fire. In the east, they kept their snake-like shape and four legs, but didn't have wings, and they were known to be the most intelligent creatures. Many civilizations in many different parts of the world feared and loved them at the same time. And although no one has ever seen one, Today they are still protagonists of many of our books and movies. Tonight we talk about dragons. If we could visit the stunning Wawel Cathedral of Krakow in Poland, we could see a few bones hanging outside of the building. Those bones are said to belong to the great dragon that once lived in the cave under Wawel Hill. According to Vincenty Kajubek's Polish Chronicle, the Wawel dragon appeared during the reign of King Krakus. The dragon required weekly offerings of cattle, or else humans would have to, devour, to be devoured instead. In the hope of killing the dragon, Krakus called on his two sons, Lech and Krakus II. They could not, however, defeat the creature by hands, so they came up with a trick. They fed him and calf skin stuff with smoldering sulfur, causing his fiery death. Then the brothers argued about who deserved the honor for slaying the dragon. The older brother killed the younger brother, Krakus, and told the others that the dragon killed him. When Lech became king, his secret was revealed, and he got expelled from the country. The city was named in recognition of the brave and innocent Krakus, the younger brother that was killed. Of course, there is other myths that explain uh, the story about this Wawel dragon. They later came many other variations of that story, but that was one of the oldest. But of course, scientists have already proved that the bones hanging outside of Wawel's cathedral do not belong to any dragon but to a mammal that lived in the Pleistocene era with the dinosaurs. Since many of these ancient dinosaurs' fossils were found deep in caves, it is highly possible that in the dark Middle Ages, when people lived in constant fear of demons and all sorts of monsters from hell, which were of course motivated by the church, the occasional findings of giant bones in the less inhabited places were the perfect way to let their imagination run wild and spread the rumors for all sorts of creatures that could explain all those things they didn't understand or also that they wanted to hide. It is very common for people to have fear on snakes, and most of the places that reported danger to people hundreds of years ago were the places where the stories said dragons lived, in the caves, deep in the forests, in the dark lands. At the time, it was dangerous to walk through a forest. Wolves, bears, snakes and thieves could likely chase away anyone who would dare to leave the safety of their villages or cities. So how did the parents make sure that their children wouldn't wander far away from where it was safe? Well, the answer is simple, with a good story. The Sandman, the Jetty, vampires, werewolves, ghosts and of course, dragons. 
What could be scarier than a giant snake with wings that can eat a sheep like a donut and could burn down a village just by sneezing? As we already mentioned, dragons were slightly different according to the myths and legends from the Asiatic cultures or from the European cultures. These differences weren't only affecting the way they look, but also their character and the way they were seen by the people. In Asia, for example, dragons were highly appreciated and loved, since they were considered as the most intelligent creatures in the world. However, in Europe, dragons were considered as giant, dangerous creatures that loved to devour humans and steal their most precious items, so they actually inspired great fear. The literature and cinema culture follows both paths, depending on which kind of dragon they are inspired. Let's recap some of the most famous dragons in fiction. Let's start with Fuyur from the never-ending storybook. This lucky dragon was the rarest species in the kingdom of Fantasia. He did not have wings, although he was flying nonetheless. He was very cheerful and a loyal friend. He was clearly inspired in the dragons from Asia. Another famous Asiatic dragon that you probably remember from his adventures guiding Mulan in her crusade to fake being a man fighting for China was Mushu. Mushu was in reality one of the guiding spirits from Mulan's family that was represented in the shape of a dragon with a snake-like body, four legs and no wings. Families in China come to the family spirits and look for guidance, as they are very intelligent. Mushu took some time to get there, but he eventually did. Let's continue with Norberto. Although his appearance in Harry Potter as the new pet from Hagrid was fairly short, Norberto captivated the hearts from many viewers when he broke the eggshell and came into life. He was a Norwegian Ridgeback, with a black slim body and big wings. As he was getting a bit aggressive, Hagrid had to send him to Hungary to live there. Ronald's brother, Charlie, works in Hungary with the dragons and looks after him since then. It was actually Charlie who revealed later on to Hagrid that in reality, Norberto was actually a lady dragon, so therefore they call her now Norberta. And another famous lady dragon was Safira from the book Eragon. Safira is a beautiful shiny blue dragon that is known for being a wise loyal friend to the boy that was destined to be her rider, Eragon. As both rider and dragon establish a strong connection, they are able to speak with each other only with their minds. Toothless, small, black, fast as the lightning, quiet but implacable. We all remember probably the cutest and most lovable dragon from all the animated movies. Probably Eric is not agreeing here lately. A night fury, Toothless will become an obsession for Hiccup and they both end up learning from each other and creating a bond that makes that the only way they can actually survive in their lives is together. What kind of dragon do you think he was inspired in? Asiatic or European? Well, I guess this one is quite obvious, right? Since they are Vikings and Vikings lived in Northern Europe. He was then a European dragon. 
Let's go with another one. Smoke. Oh, smoke, the chiefest and greatest of all calamities. Smoke, the magnificent. Smoke, the terrible. There were many the names that were given to the great dragon Smoke, who slaughtered and terrorized the dwarfs of the lonely mountain and the humans living nearby to steal all their treasure. Smoke was powerful, smart, cunning, conceited, greedy. He loved gold and silver and shiny glittery stones. Not at all of the great, not, not even the great ability of Bilbo managed to deceive him. Only the great bard from Lake Town could end his life. Smoke is actually one of the few dragons in all the literature and the cinema that can actually speak with humans. He is able to understand and he's able to speak the language of humans. Before we move ahead with the list, I would love to share with you a recording, a small segment of the movie of The Hobbit, uh, basically the moment when Bilbo meets Smoke. Bilbo is at that moment, he was sent by the dwarves to try to find the Arkenstone, which was somewhere in the huge treasure that is inside of the mountain. And under all of that treasure, Smoke is hiding, sleeping, hibernating under his treasure. A treasure that, of course, he stole from the dwarves. And, well, let's say Bilbo is not careful enough and he wakes up the dragon, Smoke. So this is the first conversa conversation that Smoke has with Bilbo after he wakes up. Let's hear it.
Another dragon story that I love from the cinema is the story of Draco from the movie Dragonheart. Draco was the last dragon on earth who made a deal with a man to help him fake that he was a dragon hunter so they would trick the people from towns and get money in exchange for getting rid of the terrible dragon. As you can imagine, the story is quite funny, but don't get fooled, the movie has everything, loves and tears. Most famous thanks to the Game of Thrones are the three dragons from Queen Daenerys Stormborn, the mother of dragons, Viserion, Rhaegal and Drogon. The golden and green dragons, Viserion and Rhaegal, were named after both of the brothers from Daenerys, Viserys and Rhaegal. The third and greatest of them all, the black dragon Drogon, was named after the first man she loved, Khal Drogo. Drogon was the only surviving dragon and the last one on Westeros after both of his brothers were killed in battle. And last but not least, we have Sisu, the light blue fluffy dragon that helps Raya to get back Kumandra and recover all the people that the drum had turned into stone. Sisu is an Asiatic dragon and therefore doesn't have wings. She is very small and through the movie she obtains all the powers from the rest of the brothers and sisters. As an interesting thing that makes very obvious the great differences between the dragons from Asia and Europeans, instead of breathing fire, Sisu is actually a water dragon that can swim like a fish in the water. today's uh, podcast, let's do it with a story. And of course, it should be a story about dragons. So let's hear the story of a little dragon that was called Grizzling. Once upon a time, there was a little dragon, and he was the sweetest little dragon you ever saw. He was just the size of your thumb, no larger. He looked as though he has been cut from a gleaming green crystal. He had pearly scales and a black bone of purple pointy spikes. His teeth were white and sharp. He was a lovely little specimen, 
His name, as I said already, was Griselin. Griselin lived in somebody's pencil case. He was a variety of a house dragon. Perhaps you've never heard of house dragons. Not many people know about them. But they live in all sorts of places and in all sorts of houses, and are really quite common. They snuggle down in fruit bowls and flower vases and at the back of bathroom drawers. They are invisible in the day and only come out at night when the moon is three quarters full and it is summertime. All the rest of the time, being very lazy and comfortable little creatures, they like to spend sleeping whiskery, plump, chocolatey dreams of shiny quartz, tingling stars and zippy little motor cars. But this story happened one of those summer times when the moon was three quarters full and Grizzling was wide awake. The little dragon had slept well the last nine months of the year and was in the mood for doing something fun. He saw that all the bigger house dragons were extremely good at puffing fire and he decided that he too would like to learn to puff like they did. Grizzling's mother Fairydale was making herself a cup of hot chocolate in a bottle lid. She blew hot little puffs that made the mug glow. Grizzling thought how nice it would be to make himself a hot chocolate. He curled up beside her and watched her for a while. He thought it looked easy enough. So when she fleeted out to nibble the insects of the basil bushes, Leaving the steaming mug on the windowsill, Grizzling leaned forward and gave an experimental puff of his own. But nothing happened. Not a thing. He blew harder. <sighs> a big blue flame burst out of his mouth and both nostrils. Oh no! His eyebrows caught on fire! Grizzling's older sister, Molly Mook, fell over her snoot laughing. <laughs> she had been watching from the dog bowl. Grizzling blushed a deep shade of green. He flew into the kitchen and hid in the fridge for a while, putting his face into a jug of ice cream to cool it down. Eventually, there was a squeaking sound and his mother poked her lovely little blue face through the refrigerator seal. What are you doing here? She asked him. And why is your face all white? Grizzling was ashamed and didn't want to talk about it. But Molly Mook had told her everything. Don't be worried about what your sister says, said Grizzling mother. Do you know what happened when Molly Mook tried to blue fire the first time? She made a very rude noise. Everybody thought it was grandpa. <laughs> Grizzling giggled. But how do you puff? He asked. Well, said his mother, you twist your lips up like this and you imagine you're about to sing the first note of happy birthday and you just kind of breathe it out and trust that it will happen. Hmm. Let's see. Well, Grizzling tried, but nothing happened. I 
don't want to know it anyway, he said. Don't give up, said his mother. If you give up, you know for sure that you will never do it. Grizzling scowled. He didn't want to hear that. He had decided he wouldn't practice. And he wouldn't. So he didn't. And for all that time, he was a dragon without a puff. But one day, as the moon was growing fuller, Grizzling looked at his watch and saw it would soon be winter. And soon, he would have to go back to his long seasonal sleep and time with fences of ice cream and bunnies to hold, wavelets of icicles shivery cold. Suddenly he thought how cold it was in the bottom of that potato bowl where he usually hibernated. Suddenly he thought how nice it would be to have nice hot water bottle. One that he could cuddle up with and every time it got cold, just make a nice little puff and warm it up all over again. It wasn't anyone's birthday, but Grizzling snuck into the baby's room and practiced his puff again and again. He knew no one would see him in the baby's room because all the house dragons were scared of humans, especially big bold ones with one big glistening tooth the same size of a grown house dragon. But Grizzling was not afraid of the baby because she was little like he was and really a very nice little person. So Grizzling snuggled between two teddy bears and in the dark he puffed and puffed to the sound of the baby snoring. <sighs> All sorts of rude sounds came out. Big flames burst out and trembled, and little squeaks and sparks. Baby heard none of it. Hours and hours passed. Grizzling's forehead sinked, and his cheeks were aching. And finally, he realized that he just couldn't learn to puff in one night. He'd need to practice much longer. The winter would come, and he would have no hot water bottle this year. He would have to wait till next year and practice more. And it would only be after a lot more of practice that he might just learn how to puff. But it was really quite nice and warm. Grizzling saw that even if he couldn't puff this winter, he had found a cozy little bed. He tucked himself into Teddy's back seam and found his cozy place for the winter. And about puffing, well, he just have to wait practice more next year.